Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Editor Mike DeBonis. It's Friday, February 2nd. Happy Groundhog Day. Here's what's driving the day. Let's start with some math. Today, the House of Representatives loses another member, this time a Democrat, Brian Higgins of Buffalo, New York. This matters because the margins are razor tight in the House right now, and there's a big partisan vote next week on the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. With Higgins gone, the balance is now 219 Republicans to 212 Democrats. That means Speaker Mike Johnson can lose no more than three from his side if he wants the impeachment vote to succeed. And already one Republican, Ken Buck of Colorado, is a confirmed no. This is going to be one to watch. As for those Senate border talks we've been tracking for weeks now, T-Day, as in Legislative Text Day, might finally be upon us. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that yesterday the bill will be released sometime over the weekend, setting up votes in the Senate next week. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Playbook co-author Ryan Lizza. And I'm especially delighted to have Ryan here because in this week's episode of Playbook Deep Dive, available now on all your favorite podcast apps, Ryan interviews Congresswoman and Biden campaign co-chair Veronica Escobar about the politics of the border as well as Gaza and the unique role she plays as one of the president's top surrogates. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning, Mike. So we're finally going to see a border bill. Um, Can you sort of set- Is that a Groundhog Day joke? Uh, Well, I should say Chuck Schumer actually made a Groundhog Day joke the other night at the- (laughs) There are going to be a lot this morning. (laughs) Expect a lot of Groundhog Day jokes today. Assuming he is correct and he, that we finally do see a bill this weekend, can you sort of set the political backdrop here? What is the environment into which this uh, supposedly carefully negotiated legislation is being dropped? Yeah, it's dropping into an environment where the coalition that may have existed previously seems to be shrinking over the course of the of the weeks and I guess months of the negotiations. Speaker Mike Johnson has embraced former President Trump's view that this would be bad politics for Republicans in an election year, that it would help Joe Biden, uh, and that they'd rather have the issue than have the policy. So most of what- Some of them are saying this quite explicitly. Yeah, yeah. There's not even a, uh, oh, you know, there's a there, there's obviously a lot of, oh, the bill sucks, but the more honest Republicans are just saying, yeah, we don't want to help Joe Biden. Why, you know, why, why would we do that? And Trump is basically saying that explicitly, and he's been back-channeling two uh, Republicans in the House. So it seems to be, to the extent that a lot of the battle in recent weeks has been Republican senators who support the bill trying to get Mike Johnson to uh, say something nice about it, that hasn't been going well, and that got infected by the, by the presidential politics. But even in the Senate, you and I were talking about this uh, yesterday, Mike, even in the Senate, things are slipping away. More Republicans are saying not so great things about the bill, even though they haven't seen it. And um, there's a real question of whether it can pass the Senate, and if it does, by how many votes. The whole theory here is you pass it by a big margin in the Senate with as many Republicans as possible, and that you know convinces more Republicans in the House uh, to vote for it. That was also the theory of the 2013 <laughs> uh, right. Comprehensive Immigration Reform Bill uh, that you know never even had a vote in the House. So there's an, you know another uh, opportunity for a Groundhog Day joke there. But you know, the short answer to your question is the politics of this have become more difficult and there are more voices uh, opposing the bill. And that's to say nothing of progressives who don't like this. Right. 
Um, that is know, not to say it, that uh, Democrats are be united in support of this. So, and let's talk about Veronica Escobar, uh, who's sort of a fascinating character in this. She she represents a border district, El Paso, and the environs. She's generally seen as pro migrant, but she's also a co chair of the Biden campaign and supportive of the president. And how is she reconciling that? And what is she saying about this piece of legislation? Yeah, it's really difficult for her. The, our whole conversation centered around this struggle between being one of the leading progressives in the House and a, a, actually a deputy whip of the House Progressive Caucus, um, being way to the left uh, of where uh, Biden is currently on immigration, frankly, being very disappointed with Biden and his statement last week that he would shut down the border on day one if this bill crossed his desk. She she does not agree with that. She hasn't seen the bill yet, like like all the rest of us. Um, she did reserve the the right to sort of give it a once over. She fiercely opposes the the direction that this is going in, and you know it's very difficult for her because she's also the Biden co-chair. She's one of eight co-chairs of the Biden re-election campaign, and you know the Biden re-election campaign is pursuing this policy uh it, you know this isn't explicitly stated but it's sort of understood to help him get reelected so she's in a real bind and um she was pretty honest in uh in talking to us about how difficult that has been for her yeah fascinating stuff and definitely check out deep dive uh today uh, if you can. And one last thing I wanted to bring up on this Friday morning, we have a primary this weekend, believe it or not. Uh, South Carolina Democrats, but not Republicans, will be voting for a presidential nominee tomorrow, Saturday. What is interesting about this contest? This is actually the first official sanctioned Democratic contest. That's because Joe Biden pushed the DNC to make South Carolina, the, the state that revived his campaign in 2020. He pushed them to make South Carolina first. And that's uh, that's happening Saturday. Dean Phillips is uh, still on the ballot. So the first thing on the on the Democratic side, you know, obviously we'll we'll be looking for how big a victory Biden has, and then we'll really be paying close attention to turnout for for two reasons. One, because that'll give us an indication of how excited people are to go out and vote for Biden, even though he's got only token opposition. But there's some folks on the Republican side who are trying to convince Democrats in South Carolina not to vote tomorrow in a Democratic primary. That doesn't mean anything. And play in the Republican primary on February 24th uh, to help Nikki Haley. You know, those efforts often don't, don't have big payoffs. But if there's massive turnout and all the Democrats do decide to, to play uh, on Saturday in the Democratic primary, they're not allowed to participate on February 24th. And that would prevent a big chunk of a potential Haley electorate from participating. So the one campaign that'll really be watching those turnout numbers closely will be Nikki Haley's. Yeah, there's. Uh, I I would say there's a mixed record at best. Yeah. For some of these uh, cross party shenanigans, but yes. you know, listen, you know, Haley really benefited from this uh, crossover vote in New Hampshire, and uh, you know, if she's going to have any sort of hope of, you know, doing what she wants to do, um, she's going to need Democrats to show up. Yeah, and and the, you know, look that. The number that really caught our attention in New Hampshire from the exit polls was the percentage on each side who said they wouldn't support the the nominee in the general election. That number was 10% in New Hampshire for Biden. It was 31% for Trump. Um, so if there are Democratic exit polls, that's uh, that's that's worth uh, checking out just to get a sense of uh, 
the relative enthusiasm uh, for Joe Biden. Ryan Lizza, happy Friday. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are out. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will travel to Dover Air Force Base to meet with the families of fallen service members and participate in a dignified transfer ceremony. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Joint Chiefs Chairman C.Q. Brown will also be in attendance. The music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Callan Tansel Suddeth is our podcast producer. Annie Reese is the supervising producer. Zach Stanton and myself are editors. I'm Mike DeBonis. Thanks for listening.